That new Child's Play film is, in my opinion, amazing. I've seen incredibly mixed things on it. Like, apparently, like, it's real good in its last 45 minutes, but, like, kind of weird on the way there. It's a very different film from the other... And I knew that going in, that it would be very different from the originals, which I grew up with and have a very yeah. strong affinity for. And I'm a huge Brad DeRiff fan. And the only person they could have replaced Brad DeRiff with would be Mark Hamill. It's the only way I wouldn't riot. Yeah, I was... I was interested when I saw that casting. I've not had a chance to see the film yet, but that seemed like smart casting for a character like that, a creepy yeah. creepy murder doll. Yeah. And it's it's so far removed from the originals. And that's I, I think that works in its favour. Uh, but it is... I was not prepared for how much I would be laughing. I was bellowing with laughter in the movie theatre. I was bellowing with laughter. Um, it was creative, very funny... Excellent kills. And I realise there's mixed responses and I'm sure that, you know, in the wider um, culture, like, people are going to remember it as a bad film. Um, and it may date because it's so much about, like, smart homes and, and connectivity and everything. Um, very modern, which, of course, could mean things become very dated when modern becomes, you know, when the future becomes modern. Uh, but I was not prepared for how, how fun it was. I, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Um, and it's very much a comedy horror. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, uh, it's everyone in the movie theatre, it wasn't massively packed, but there were a good couple groups in there, and they all seemed to really enjoy it. Uh, so who knows? But despite the, the reviews out there about it that aren't so favourable, personally, uh, but, and bear in mind as well, I love shit films, you know. <laughs> I was laughing at Puppet Master The Littlest Reich, if you all remember. So... So this, you know, take what I say about films with a big pinch of salt. But I went to see it and I'm glad I did. There's nothing wrong with enjoying some shite every now and again. Well, no, no. Um, I'm all for it. And, and personally, if you like camp, stupid nonsense, the, the kind of stuff I talk about on the reg, then I would recommend going to see it because I thought it was really, really good. And I just wanted to kick it off with that. Talk about that. Yeah. Makes me want to go see the old Child's Play films again. God, I love Brad DeRiff. He's great. We, we managed to see one of them when we were kids, but then they all got banned because of that awful Jamie Bolger thing. Yes, I remember that. I, I didn't know they got banned. Yeah. I can understand how they could have got banned. It was two young um, young kids, like, murdered another kid, and they had been watching Child's Play, and of course... Yeah, this might have been a little before your time. Yeah. I know the Bolger story, but... It being the, the time period it was, everyone decided, oh, well, it was obviously the horror movie's fault. Yeah, it, it was a weird time in that, like, I, I feel like a lot more kids had the ability to see horror films above their age rating at the time. Oh, yeah, I mean, I saw... I saw Puppet Master, and again, I've got an affinity for that series as well. Like, I saw Puppet Master when I was, like, five or six, because video rentals were such a thing, and my my mum didn't give a crap. Uh, so... Yeah, Puppet Master 2 got on VHS. Well, I just remember, like, day daytime TV airings. Like, I, I remember seeing Child's Play on, like, terrestrial TV. Yeah. I was terrified of gore until about the age of 11 or 12. Like, even... Do you remember the scene in Stand By Me where they find the dead kid? That, like, gave me fucking nightmares. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but uh, then we got really into horror movies as teenagers for some reason. I think that's fairly normal for teenagers. Yeah. Um... Admittedly, I started earlier, 
at like four or five watching <laughs> watching all sorts of weird horror films. That explains a lot. <laughs> uh, probably. But I did have a fear of dolls. Not the Puppet Master ones. They were just too weird looking. But because of a fire safety ad that I've talked about in different, maybe not on this particular podcast, but I've talked about before in uh, different media I've done. There was a fire safety commercial um, that had a fire in a doll's house. And the doll was like burning in the fire and alive in the fire. Um, and then it cuts to the kid's bedroom. This takes place and then there's smoke going under the door. Um, but it, it scared the... Sh- I used to envision the burnt doll coming after me. And when I first watched Child's Play, I got as far as um, the mother throwing the doll and then it crawling up to the sofa and grabbing onto her and starting, you know, yelling all sorts of slurs oh. and shit at her, just going crazy like wild at her and i screamed to the adults in the room to turn it off um and came back to it you know a little later on and and obviously loved the later films in the series because they were just so stupid and and had settled firmly into the comedy niche like a lot of these slasher things do at some point in our childhood me and my my younger sister both saw that film when my younger sister was Young enough to be mildly terrified by its concept of a murderous living doll. And she used to have a lot of, like, China dolls in her possession. Oh, God. She wouldn't sleep with them in her room for a while. And my dad thought it would be funny to, um, place one of them just sort of staring at her door. So when she opened her door, it would be there. Wow. It did not go over well, as you might imagine. I can only... Yeah, yeah. I don't need to imagine too hard. Yeah. Don't go fucking with people using dolls. Do not... Do not mess with someone with a doll. If a person has a a phobia of a thing, don't use that thing to scare them. It's fucked up and and nasty. Yeah, the the ventriloquist dolls were always the ones that used to terrify me. I don't know why they seem to make those as horrifying as possible, always. Ventriloquist dolls. It's the lines under the mouth. That's what does it. It's not just that though. Like they really have some. I'm look. I'm googling pictures of them, and they're all fucking terrifying and hideous. Like way yeah. scarier than Chucky. They should have made Chucky a ventriloquist doll. I think that might be a function of the time period, like when ventriloquism was a big thing, because a lot of old dolls and shit, like it's their idea of realistic. I guess yeah, it, it was yeah. that that was their idea of realism. If video games were around in in ye olde days. In in the in the age of vaudeville and and I'm not sure when ventriloquist dolls were around, but you know ye olde days. I think you're right. It is an uncanny valley kind of thing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. I think if video games were around back then, Gears of War would have Marcus Phoenix look like a ventriloquist doll. Oh. He'd have the weird big eyes and the little jutty nose and the lines under the mouth. I'm uh, I'm I'm butthurt that we're not having Marcus as the protagonist in Gears Five. I was disappointed. Gimme give gimme give back my grumpy old meat men. Yeah, his his it would be like having a child's play without Chucky, really. And yeah. I, that was a one of the reasons why Gears Four didn't appeal to me too much. Yeah, his son and whatever his friends were called were I can't really remember anything about them, you know? No, no. If you could have replaced Marcus with a better or an equally memorable character, that's one thing. Yeah. But they didn't provide us anything that stopped us missing Marcus and enjoying every moment when he was on the screen and then wishing that was the game we were playing was just the stuff with him. Yeah, exactly. Bring back bring bring back Baird and Coltrane and well yeah and, yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah if you're gonna replace the protagonist a uh, very popular protagonist you need to do the extra work to make the replacement worth it and they didn't with Gears Four 
Yeah, I hope Gears 5 is good. I think as well, I think what they didn't really get was that um, the the Gears of War universe, what really worked about it for, well, just personally for me, was that the, the kind of hilariously gritty, over-the-top, silly kind of manly macho-ness of these boys was so perfect and fitting for the world they were in. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the the kind of more sensitive, happy-go-lucky, like, I don't know what, like <laughs> millennial types in the sequels, they just didn't fit as well into that particular universe, in my opinion. Bloody millennials. Bloody millennials. I'll tell you what's ruining Gears of War. It's these liberal arts students <laughs> with their shame sword guns. <sighs> oh, dear. Millennials ruined the locust killing industry. <laughs> Before anyone gets mad, I am technically a millennial, so relax. Plus, everyone knows that boomers are bad guys in the Gear series, so it all yeah. works. Oh, out. yeah, the boomers <laughs> are the bad guys. <laughs> uh, got to take down those boomers. They're, they're, they're ruining the world. Yeah. Boom! My tomatoes! God, I miss the proper locusts. The, the fucking... Sp- Whatever they're called. Like, some people tried to argue when I brought this up last time. They were like, they're still locusts. No, they weren't the same. And those robots were boring. Yeah, the robots were boring. The zombie locusts were boring. And they were more or less glorified zombies. They didn't talk. They didn't have a sense of... There were little scraps of the idea of a locust culture. And there's just not that when they're more mindless. I want proper locusts. I want the Therons back. Because they were the best ones. <laughs> they were awesome. <laughs> I want them back. And we want the good dialogue back. Sapien! The genius dialogue. And by genius dialogue, I mean... They're sinking cities with a giant worm! (laughs) 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 Yeah, it needs to get over the top and big and stupid. Because you're right, there's a reason why people remember him complaining about his tomatoes in Gears 4. And that's because that was good. That was old Marcus Phoenix doing old silly shit. Like, like I always remember that line as well. It was either in the first or second one where it's like, what are these plants? It's like, what do I look like, a fucking botanist? (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. I compare that series to shit like Die Hard. Just just unapologetic, big action. No need for a... No need to get too complicated. Have a little bit of, you know, intrigue in there, but... If they made a new Die Hard with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as as the main (laughs) character, that's what it would be like. Then again, he might actually make a really good grumpy old fucker. Yeah. You never know. These days, though, if you remade Die Hard, you'd have someone like Jason Statham, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's who you'd have. Just another tough, bald bloke who's in the zeitgeist. Hmm. He wasn't bald in Die Hard, was he? Oh man, speaking of Jason Statham, I was rewatching Snatch recently and that movie is so goddamn funny. Oh my God, it's so funny. It is a good film. I, I, I always got a, a bigger fondness for Lockstock because that was obviously came before and I'd seen it so many more times. But both of them, I think, very good. It's a fucking anti-aircraft gun, Vincent. <laughs> oh yeah, well, Lockstock is great too. But for me, it was always just, it was that scene where the dog swallows the ball and Snatch always has me just in tears of laughter. Mm. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, there we are. We got we got some video games in the first ten minutes. Some some video game adjacent. Yeah, and then we now we've done that. We can talk about Guy Ritchie films all day. Horrible <laughs> cunt nemesis. Don't fuck it. Just don't start me on Snatch because I'll go on. I mean, we're not even getting on to Brad Pitt as the Irish traveller here because you know, oh. like Dags. Nice <laughs> shite. He, I have to say, he fucking nailed that accent. Like, American actors are really bad at Irish accents, but, like, 
Brad Pitt as the Irish traveller in that movie absolutely fucking nailed the accent. And not just the accent, but the mannerisms. He was really, really good. I'm glad he pulled it off. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of those actors that, like, he is, he is apparently quite good at occasionally, like, d- doing doing a bit of good acting. He just, yeah. you know, does a lot of shit roles. Yeah, he always plays himself. Yeah, he's really versatile. He just doesn't get the roles. It's a, mm. it's one of my great frustra- uh, frustrations with um, uh, Nicolas Cage, is whenever I see him get to be over the top and rampant and ridiculous and often villainous, he's yeah. great. And then they often give him these just, like, drab leading protagonist roles. And I feel that's a waste of his talents. He should have been up there as the cl- like a, one of the classic villainous uh, actors, like someone like a Gary Oldman or something. That's why, um, and this might be uh, a hot take, but I've had not really any excitement for that new Tarantino movie because I was watching the trailer and I was like, well, there's Leonardo DiCaprio playing Leonardo DiCaprio. There's Brad Pitt playing Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah. There's um, fucking... Is that Al Pacino making Scarface references or was it someone else? Uh, Pacino's in it, I know that. Just everyone and Margot Robbie playing as, as herself and just, you know. <laughs> I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. It's a Tarantino film and I've seen... Actually, I haven't seen Hateful Eight yet. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty good. It wouldn't be his best. I feel like I should see it if only to play the game that you always play while watching a Tarantino film, which is count the gratuitous feet shots oh you can already win that game the trailer more or less opens with it because they they played the trailer when i went to see child's play and immediately i'm like oh they're not even they're not even being subtle about the feet this time (laughs) like like yeah it's zero problem if that's your thing but like i find it amusing how unsubtly it has crept into the work yeah well, I mean, there was that whole scene where Uma Thurman was like, wiggle your big toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that whole scene in Dusk Till Dawn, which I know he didn't direct, but you know he jumped at that fucking scene. Oh, man, Salma Hayek. <laughs> Salma Hayek's foot in his mouth. <laughs> Salma Hayek is... Mm, I like Salma Hayek. <laughs> uh, should we talk about a video game or two? Yeah, stay on Salma Hayek if you want. I mean, you, you can. Like, like Gab's thinking about Salma Hayek, and I'm thinking about Danny Trejo, who also was in the film and very sexy. Oh. <laughs> and, George, and George Clooney. Mm. Should we just all stop and have some quiet time and think about sexy people from that film? Yeah. I know it makes a bad audio, but, like, listener, you think about a sexy person from that film for a minute. It could be George Clooney. Cheech Marin. Yeah. Harvey Keitel. Oh. Every time I think about Harvey Keitel, I think about, I wonder how many people in the world are playing with themselves thinking about him. Because you know someone <laughs> is, and I don't know why it's Harvey Keitel that I think this about. But you know, right now, Laws of Averages says it, it's happening now. Maybe you were watching the piano one time and you got a boner when he got his willy out. Maybe. And that has stuck with you. Yeah. Because he gets his willy out in that movie. As far as I remember. He gets his penis out and has a tinkle on the ivories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking about Danny Trio again now. Now you've brought him up. He's a big, beefy boy. <laughs> He's a big, beefy boy indeed. Good old Danny Trio. He's uh... a steady hand. You need, you need action in a film. You need a guy to just go ham with a gun. He's a steady hand. <laughs> <laughs> he was fucking great in Breaking Bad as well. Yeah. He was very good in Breaking Bad. So let's actually... Okay, we'll do video games. Yeah, let's make ourselves do some video game talk. Yeah, why not? Are we doing the video games? If if anyone's still here, we'll do some video games now. Yeah. This is a bonus treat for Patreon. It's a Patreon exclusive. If you're not on the Patreon, you've got to turn it off now. (laughs) I'm trusting you with this. We're going to do bonus video game talk. Uh, Uh, What do we want to talk about first? 
Uh, you, you been you been playing more of that Bloodstain this oh, week, Jim? Oh, I finally allowed myself to beat it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was hit with that bug. Oh. The pre-update bug where some chests wouldn't open or would be marked as open when there was still stuff in them and you couldn't get them. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't a game breaker, uh, but it did stop me being able to do two of the side quests. So yeah. I, I eventually, after I did some more farming, and I've, it's been so long since I willfully, happily farmed in a game, oh. but I did not mind doing it here to max out the shards I wanted and get get certain items and craft certain weapons and stuff. Did you do the thing that I did where you found what was clearly like, oops, I've accidentally stumbled into the final boss encounter. I'm going to backtrack and go wring every bit of content out of this that I can before I go do this. I did accidentally uh, stumble on the boss the first time. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't ready for the final boss, so I wanted to do more. I did have this sense of like, this seems very final boss encounter, but like, surely I'm not there yet. Oh, oh my God, no, it's destroying me. This is final boss territory. Run, 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 run. By the time I decided <laughs> I'm going to beat it and go for New Game Plus, by the time I decided that after I'd acquired what I'd acquired, with my luck stat as high as I could get it, uh, critting, doing just critical hits every other hit, um... <laughs> I almost felt sorry for the final boss. Yeah. But I appreciate that we've got a good single-player game, which means it doesn't matter that if you put the work in, you can be OP as fuck. Yes. You can just be... There's no need to worry about balance. Gameplay balance. It's the satisfaction of I put so much time in that I now get to feel like an un unkillable badass. Unfortunately, it does mean I went to New Game Plus on hard mode and now feel sorry for everything. <laughs> Um, so I'm hoping to rush through that and then get to Nightmare where it might get a bit more going. Yeah. But I want to, I would like to 100% it or at least do some of the quests I missed because I couldn't do the, the, the Todd quests, the Demon Barber. Oh, and I yeah. love that character. So I wanted to, just for my own personal edification, just max him out. Uh, the whole time I was playing that, I kept just, just quietly to myself doing that whole, um, I've come up with a new recipe thing from Final Fantasy XV, <laughs> but I'm just like, I've come up with a new haircut. People do their hair like this. It's oh. awesome. Uh, there's that old lady that just keeps shouting that she wants food. Yeah. She doesn't know what any kind of food ever is called. Yeah, she's, she's got permanent food disrememberance. <laughs> she remembers like, oh, I want some they're potato and they're thin and, and hot and long, but I don't remember what they're called. Get me them. Get me a long, hot thing. Uh, I've been asked that many times. She she wanted chowder and she described it as having, like, golden kernels in it. Yeah, she's an idiot. Yeah. Doesn't deserve to have food cooked for her. <laughs> you'll, like, you'll, eat what I, you'll eat what I fucking cook you, dear. But it's a great game. I did all the optional bosses in it, uh, including the, the secret one and the secret area, which is brilliant. I love, I won't mm. spoil it, I love the secret area. Um, the music is, it's just so incredible. I know people don't like the graphics so much, but I still like it. It's it's a, a weird art style, but I kind of dig it, and I love the monster designs. I like the graphics on PC. I did try it on Switch. It's really not looking great on Switch. Yeah. If, if it is the version that you have available to you, it's totally playable. If, like, if this is the first version of the game you pick up, you will probably go, this is great, this is amazing, fucking love it. If you play, do what I did and play a couple of hours on PC and then go... You know, let's pause, let's try Switch next. Um, it it doesn't really hold a candle if you've played the That's PC a shame. version first, which is a real shame. Like, I kind of wish I hadn't touched it at all before the Switch version. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Uh, it's fine. I'm, I'm having a good time with that game, but just like, 
Uh, they, they've said in a statement, they're like, yep, we're aware of the issue. We we are working hard to, to sort that. Uh, it seems like it may be that a third party company did the port and it came together very last minute and the actual developers are like, shit, we got to fix this now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You want something done properly. So, yeah. So I, I cannot beam about that game enough. Oh. It's exactly the kind of Symphony of the Night, Dawn of Sorrow. I, I love Dawn of Sorrow. When I was working in the mm. cab firm, that got me through some nights in between calls, my um, DS on me, constantly between calls, grinding. Uh, I, I don't think they were called shards. It's been a long time. Souls or whatever it was. Monster drop rewards. <laughs> Getting the manticore one, so I just have a, a rolling around the game with a giant big scorpion tail coming out my uh. ass. Bloody great. And this game carries on those spirit, the spirits of those games so well. My favourite thing that just got me beaming ear to ear was the first time I fought one of those guitar players <laughs> on the back of a big chariot they are great uh, that's you know that's that old spirit of castlevania as well just stupid not st stupid even just ridiculous brilliantly ridiculous monster inclusions yeah fight fight a giant a giant head of a yorkshire terrier that floats around barking at you <laughs> when i saw that i was just i i shout it out just what i saw that in a review and i thought that was awesome and it operates like a chain chomp uh no there's just the chairs that are just like I i'm a chair i'm gonna take you on a magic ride and try and throw you into a wall that they got me with that the first time because i i made a point of sitting in all the chairs whenever i found yeah. them and then i sat in one and it just hopped along and threw me into some spikes <laughs> it's just like i can show you the world ah <laughs> Uh, uh, it's got familiars in it. I love familiars in games. I just love the concept of little things that follow you around. And I like some of their mimic designs. There's there's a mimic treasure chest where it's basically just a spider living in a treasure chest, mm. and it's adorable. It's like a little hermit spider, and I love it. God, such a such a bloody good game. It's it's real good. Yeah, my favorite game of the year so far. I think I think mechanically, it's probably the most fun I've had with a game this year. It's it's scratch. It it makes me retroactively angrier at Konami if I could be possibly so. Just that they have no interest in this when they're sitting on the Castlevania IP. Yeah. And Iga had to be like, well, fuck you, I'll go do it myself. And I'm so thrilled he did it, but it's so sad that he had to. Yeah. To, like, do it this way. Uh, but but ultimately, I'm all for these, these auto figures getting out from under the shadow of companies because it's clear they don't want them. Yeah. They want, they want their games to be made by brands, not people. And I think that sets a... It sets the tone for that allows them to do some of the abuses they perform in the industry, stuff like crunch and not crediting people and stuff like that. Mm. So I'm I'm just glad it got made. I'm glad it got made. It's its own thing. It's free of Konami and Ego is able to do this. And there's just so much energy in that game. Like it feels like they had a blast making it. Yeah. And it it shines through in the gameplay when people truly love what they're making. Could not agree more. Uh yeah, other stuff this week. Gav, you went back and played some more Fallout 4. Gav, you didn't play a Fallout game, did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm so I'm so very, very redundant. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Have you better acclimated... You were talking about Irish accents. Have you better acclimated yourself to the Irish accents found in Fallout 4? Uh, I haven't met Kate yet in this playthrough. No. no, no. And I still feel really shitty about that incident on Twitter where... I had said something on the podcast 
about how bad the accent was. And then someone said, yeah, the accent was really bad, like you said on the podcast, and linked the fucking actress into the tweet. Oh, never. Why? Why would you do that? That's such a unnecessary nasty move yeah and people people who do that kind of they tend to go oh i'm just telling the truth and it's like yeah you can tell the truth but you can be a dick as well about it no so. no one needs to have pointed at them oh so and so said a thing that was not complimentary of you like yeah. they don't need to, they don't need to know to see that yeah exactly and she blocked me which is completely understandable because uh. all she knew of me was here's this random dude talking shit about me on a podcast you know yeah so don't please don't do that if we yeah if we uh anyway <laughs> yeah fallout 4 is all right that's fair how, <laughs> yeah. how are you getting on with it though what what what, what are you up to in it at the moment uh I, well i was just seeing how, like uh i was experimenting with mods because there's a mod that uh is really cool and it means that the settlers build their own settlements so you just basically set up a desk, pick the city plan, and they build it themselves over time. And it's really nice because I love the base building in Fallout, but God, I've done it so many times now that on this playthrough, it's kind of nice to just have it take care of itself, you know? Oh, and I imagine that like having it happen piece by piece without you having to interact with it gives it a feel of like, no, it's a real world. Like, well... While you're off doing other things, people are building the world up and, and bringing it back to some sort of civilization. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of cool going back to Sanctuary every now and again and just seeing all the new stuff they're after building. And it's like, oh, oh. really clever mod. That's a good idea. Because I didn't yeah. I didn't care for the building stuff. It's not my... I'm not an architect in any way. Um, not even in a, you know, video game sense. I don't want to say, oh, I'm not an architect in real life. I don't want to build things. I just mean I don't have that mind for it i make shit levels in things like little big planet and super mario maker you know just rubbish uh so i don't have not even much of an interest in it you know i play mario maker because i want to see what other people have made you know uh so yeah that that was such a big focus of fallout 4 and even though i really genuinely loved fallout 4 i thought it was great but Mm. i made very simple settlements and left it at that and i would be interested in playing it with a mod where they you know are doing it themselves and I could see it naturally grow how they make it. I made these like enormous massive city settlements. I would turn off the limit and like give infinite junk cheats and just like build fucking <laughs> Sim City style stuff. But like it's actually nice to just do a playthrough now and not have to think about it. Yeah. I think you'd like it. It's called if anyone wants to try it, it's called Sim Settlements and it's really, really cool. Sounds good. But uh, yeah, I'm very sorry I didn't play anything new. I've I've barely had time to even play Fallout this week because I've been working so much on a new Bloodborne song. Hey. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's fair. I've I've had an equally like I've not played much new, and the new things I have played I've not played a lot of. Yeah, like the the only other new thing I've played this week, and I've not played much of it, but I know Jim's played some of it as well. Is uh, Crash Team Racing? Mm-hmm. How are, you, how are you getting on with that one? So Crash Team Racing, what are they calling it? Nitro Refueled or something? Yeah, We're basically yeah. the remaster. I was really looking forward to it because when I was a lot younger, when it was a new game, when the original game was out on PlayStation, I played the hell out of it. I got very fond memories of playing that game. I don't know if it was never good and i don't remember it being never good or if they made changes to it that made it worse but doing adventure mode's awful the rubber banding is ridiculous and i made sure it wasn't just me being shit at games i looked up on the internet there are quite a few people with the same complaints the ai is not fun to race against on normal and above the rubber banding is annoying as hell and if you bump it down too easy then 
there's no there's no in between. Then it's just an unfun cakewalk. Um, but, but there's something about it. Like I don't like the way the the drifting works in it. And again, that's more the old game. But they could have modernized that a bit. Um, it feels to me when playing online that if you end up in one part of the game, like in one position, it's very hard to change that position. Mm. If you're in position four, you're more than likely staying there because often the the items you can get aren't all that good. All the right items are all kind of rubbish and not fun. I know people complain about Mario Kart's rubber banding, where like the better you're doing, the worse your items, the worse you're doing, the better your items. But playing a game like this completely points out why that is so necessary in a arcadey yeah. silly kart racer yeah because conversely if you end up in first place like unless they get missiles there's not a lot they can do to yeah. you and the missiles are just mixed in with everything else and often i yeah. felt that sometimes you don't even get what would be like like with mario kart depending on what position you're in in the race the item pool will change or the probability of certain items will change and i never quite felt that with like, if I end up trailing in, in the lower part of the race, the items I get are not helping me change my fortunes here. Um, and maybe it's just me, maybe it's just me being shit at games, but I certainly don't have these complaints about Mario Kart. You know, I play Mario Kart 8 um, Deluxe on the Switch, love the hell out of that. And I, again, I'm not all that great at racing games, obviously. I'm not very great at many games. But I still have a ton of fun in that game, whereas I've already uninstalled... Crash Team Racing. I was going to do a impressions on it, but I concluded it's not worth my time. It's just not worth my time. So I was very yeah. disappointed, and I don't like some of the shit they've added that looks like a very... Um, it looks like a case of them Activisioning the product. I don't know if microtransactions were supposed to be in it and were taken out, or if they're going to put them in later, but they've got a storefront without real money... You use in-game currency only, but it's set out exactly like Fortnite with skins and stuff. Yeah. That, that, why? None of that was in the old game. Yeah. That's not necessary. So, yeah, it gave me a bad taste after that, and I'm just like, I, I've i got better things to do. So I, I stopped. Yeah. So I I came into this from the opposite side, uh, from, from your perspective. I never played the original game. I was always a Mario Kart person growing up, so... I came into this with no expectations, no sort of vision of having enjoyed it in the past for it to live up to. And all of your criticisms are things I generally agree with. The main other point I wanted to add is it feels it feels very similar to the Crash Bandicoot remaster itself in that it feels like yes it looks better and it is it looks like a faithful recreation of a lot of the things that were in the original from having had a quick look at some YouTube videos. But, like, something about it just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. In their attempts to, like, they've tried to make it feel like a modern game, and that somehow doesn't quite mesh with its old design. I think they would have been better off just... Just here's an idea, Activision. Why don't you just make a new game? Why don't you just make some games? Like, can we not just have? Although I say that, then they would have no reason to not put tons of microtransactions in if they made it new. Um, then again, it's Activision. They put microtransactions and loot boxes into Modern Warfare Remastered, so that wouldn't stop them. Why couldn't they have just made a new Crash Bandicoot racing game? And I tell you what, do what Mario Kart does. Since Activision owns them, fucking put Spyro in as well. Yeah. 
It is the thing. I don't think it was an amazing game, but I I preferred um, Team Sonic Racing that released a little while back to this because that at least felt like it was trying to do something new. Because Crash Team Racing just feels like Mario Kart, but with less of an ability to catch up if you're in last place. Yeah, Mario Kart without a lot of what has gone into Mario Kart in the years since a game like Crash Team Racing was first out. Yeah. Um, it just feels, yeah, I don't know. It's it's there for nostalgia money, and it it got nostalgia yeah. money out of me, so they won. <laughs> they, yeah, they beat me. <laughs> uh, you've played a couple of other bits as well this week, Jim. Mm, uh, mm. What what did you fancy you talking about either of those? Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've been playing the Sinking City, which I bought on a whim. I hadn't heard about it before. Um, I noticed reviews went up for it though, and there people are aware of it. It's uh it feels, and I don't think it's a focus interactive game, but it's on that level. It feels like one in that it's very interesting and janky, but not in a way that is hurting the game too much. I've not gotten very far into it at all. Uh, I, I've done like the first investigation and about to move to a new area outside of the first area. But it's um, very Lovecraftian, like properly into the law, like into mouth. Uh, residents are involved in the game like Innsmouthers and stuff like that um the few monsters i've seen so far are very eldritch and there's combat in the game which is and weirdly it's so matter of fact it's like i was doing an investigation and then partway through just a monster appeared in the room with people who did who weren't bothered and i'm like oh well i guess i'll smash that a bit um and then later on, far later, he, he decides to say to another character, hey, what's, with, what's up with all the monsters? What's up with the monsters now? Um, but a lot of it is just investigation and not in a straightforward way. They give you an area that's not super, op- not open world or anything, but it's, it's got an open floor plan, let's say. And then it's like, go on, go on, go solve it. Go solve it. The first... Uh, thing you're asked to do is find the whereabouts of this character's son and from there just go to the different parts of the the area that's open up to you look at items on the floor look for clues um talk to people then go to your mind palace and they shamelessly call it that go to your mind palace which is an option in the menu and look at the clues and you get Different clues written on cards, like, oh, this character had some weird um, delusion going on, and then this character did this, and this character was found dead. And you mix and match the different clue cards together to find two that link, and you use your own logic there. You just look at, like, well, what's all this saying? What are the similarities between the clues? Pop them together, and then they turn into a proper uh, bit of evidence or a deduction that the character's made, and then that'll unlock the next bit. Um, and you, like, for example, you, you mix two together to try and work out where a character would most likely have gone to. And then you set your mind's eye, which is basically detective vision, but with an eldritch bent, and then just follow, uh, little shadows of the character you're tracking to their destination, which the character deduced from the clues that you have to uncover and then piece together. So it's, it goes big on the detection stuff but it's not like super deep it's not simulator deep but it is more than the average action adventure game so it's unique it's very unique um but it's 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 got that graphical quality of a focus home interactive publication uh so i'm keen to play more of it i was very distracted yesterday so i didn't play as much as i wanted to but i did want to keep playing it i had to stop because there's a lot of story and i wanted to concentrate but Today, when I've got less going on, I'm going to 
dig back into it and, you know, hopefully have some thoughts next week and maybe a Jim Pressions. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so, yeah, that was that's the Sinking City. Uh, very interesting game. Keen to learn more. Plus, I've had a ganter at some of the unlockable costumes you can get. And there's a couple of, that you can get. You can become a Plague Doctor. There's a Plague Doctor skin and a, a Cthulhu-style cultist skin where the guy's just got an octopus on his head. I really want the octopus head costume, please. I want more octopus heads, just in general, in life. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if I missed it. How far into that game are you currently? Uh, I just got past the first investigation. It's sort of like the introductions, introductions as to how the game works and how your various detective skills are put together. Yeah, so not, not, a, not a huge depth in, but far enough to go, like, I understand the general gist of yes. the mechanics. Yes, yes. Okay, but keep us looped in on that, because that, that, that sounds like an interesting one. I would like to hear more about it. Absolutely, and, and I've just been... No, I've just been so interested in all of those what I call middle shelf games lately, especially the focus stuff. I've talked about that on the Gymquisition before. Games like Vampire, Plague Tale, um, and then they did another one, Cthulhu. I think it's just called Call of Cthulhu. I think it what I think that was its name. Uh, so yeah, another middle shelf, a little bit janky, but in a charming way, Lovecraft game. I'm in favour of it, so hopefully it, it stays the course that it appears to be on we shall see i'm a little bit worried that the game started with a disclaimer that said the time period this game set in is when people were well proper racist and for authenticity we've included some of that but we don't agree with it and whenever a a game has a warning like that i'm like now i'm not saying they can't do that but i'm saying i'm worried that they're doing that it's it's one of those like i'm cautious i'm going to i'm gonna hold my breath just in case yeah and i'll I'll go in giving them the benefit of the doubt but with some trepidation Uh, but we'll see so far the only um racial stuff we've seen is between like innsmethers because famously they've got the kind of fish features and they moved to where this uh game is set um so we'll see we'll see if it's just fish based or not not that that's okay if if fish people were real which, sadly, they're not. I would, lo- I would love it if fish folk oh, were real. It would be awesome if fish people were real. Most things folk, I'm all in favour of. Fish folk, fair folk, I can't think of another folk, free folk. Oh, folk metal. What you're saying is just give us all the anthropomorphic animal people. Yeah, yes, please. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Yeah. I heard of a Jenny Gallivan this morning. I can't remember if that's its full name. Hang on, I'm going to look it up. But basically, what people used to do in the oldie days was they would take things like a like a flat fish, like a stingray or something, they'd dry it out. Jenny Hanover, that's it. They'd dry it out and turn them into weird little devils and dragons and angels and things using their horrible little underneath faces. Oh. Yeah, like a ray or a skate. That's weird. Yeah. A Jenny Hanover is the carcass of a ray or a skate that has been modified by hand, then dried, resulting in a mummified specimen intended to resemble a fanciful fictional creature. <sighs> and they d- they look proper weird. Look up Jenny Hanover's listeners if you, uh, if you want to see some weird shit. I kind of want one, but I'd never want to touch one. In in the pre-electricity era, people did weird shit. They did, you know, yeah, there was no television, so you had to do something. And apparently yeah. what people did was they'd mutilate fish carcasses to turn them into angels. <laughs> angel puppets. Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Who doesn't want a dried-out fish <laughs> angel in their life? Of course. 
I think the last last thing you've played this week, Jim, you went back and did some Hollow Knight. I w- yeah. Um, I say went back and did. I I went back and restarted Hollow Knight because I was like about I was about five hours in when I stopped, mm. and it's been so long. The problem with some of these Met- Metroidvania layout games is if you take too much of a break. You won't know where the fuck. Mm. You won't know where the fuck and what the fuck. And and I couldn't remember what I did last, so I couldn't remember where to go next. And I could have worked it out, but I was like, you know what? It's been so long, I may as well just restart it. I may as well just restart it and reacclimate myself to the whole way the game works and, and mm. reacclimate myself to the map. Because um, really, after Bloodstained, even though I started off on New Game Plus, I was desperate for more, more games in that vein. And Hollow Knight is a very different game because it's got some influence from dark souls into it as well and it's a slower game um and i know like like i was talking to um casey explosion on twitter and and i think oh, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they were we were talking about bloodstains and they i said it was like oh one of the best games i've ever played and they brought up hollow knight as a comparison and preferred hollow knight and i imagine quite a few people would prefer hollow knight to bloodstains but playing through hollow knight again I, I definitely am more on the Bloodstained side. Um, oh. Hollow Knight is very good, a very good game, but this environmental design and the map design in it is not always something I enjoy, mm. especially when there are platforms and when you hit enemies, you stagger back a bit and coins, unless you get a thing that draws them to you, if you want to collect them, you often have to jump back down to platforms. It's very, it makes the game slower than it is to begin with. Um, falling off platforms and going down some really long drops and having to climb all the way back up again. Um, and the map is not always the most intuitive thing. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that, um, that kind of turned me off us early on, was the, the going down really long pits and then having to climb back up. Yeah, so there's a little, a little bit of trudging in it, but it still is a really good game. I mean, it looks gorgeous. Mm. It's got a lovely little atmosphere. Um, the bosses are really interesting. I've got back as far as, let's see, I just, um, the last boss I thought was, oh, is her name Silk? The, the, with the needle, the, the threaded oh, yeah, needle, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. jumping around and dashing around. Um, I'm definitely having an easier time with it than I had last time, just because I think I'm more used to it and I'm a bit more gung-ho after Bloodstain got me uh, back into Metroidvania stuff. You're into that frame of mind. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm in that mindset again. So I'm going through it quicker than I did last time. But I've got complaints about it that hold it back from being quite the darling it is for me that it is for a lot of other people. Not that they're wrong. You know, I absolutely see why people adore it as much as they do. And I do enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I was I was sad that I didn't like it because I was really expecting to. But uh, mm. it's well not didn't like it is too strong. I just it just wasn't the kind of game for me because it was just uh, d- difficulty in 2D platformers tends to really frustrate me very yeah. quickly and and mm-hmm. and the the amount of uh, time you get set back in that game is just too much for me to to not get frustrated. Fair dues. I I had a similar go back and play another game in that same scratching that same sort of itch category, but I didn't go back to Hollow Knight. I went back and played more Dead Cells. Ah. Uh, since I last played it, they've added a bunch of new content to it. Oh, they have, yes. There was a big free update that was called something like um like Rise of the Giants. It was something about giants. And they've added like a bunch of new enemies, a bunch of new weapons, and 
some new bosses. I, I I wonder what those might be in a thing that's named after giants. Tolkien-esque dwarves. Exactly. Grimaldell the dwarf. <laughs> I'm so glad I had an excuse to go back to that game because I forgot how fun it is. It's a real fun game. It, 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 I mean, there's a reason I gave it a Jimquisition Award. It's it's a thing of beauty. I should go back and check that out, definitely. It, it, is, it is just more content in a game that already had a lot of very good content in it. Yeah. So if, if you were digging it before, it's a good reason to come back to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and speaking of old, older games, I... Uh... Uh, Devil May Cry came to Switch, so I downloaded that again. Oh, how's how's the port looking? It was it, it's quite good so far. It seems to run yeah. really well. Seems to run at um you know the I think it's sixty frames per second. I think um, I can't remember now, but I, it looked all smooth and and ran well. Um, playing it portable, it's a little can be a little weird with the controls, but better than I thought. I'm actually playing. I'm doing better on it than I've ever done. Because the first Devil May Cry, I, I was never all that great at. Um, but I think having played Devil May Cry 5 and I got into that so much, I, I ended up being really good at it, um, which is unusual for me to actually claim I could be good at a game. But I, I ended up playing Devil May Cry 5 so much that I, I, I actually got quite good at it. And so I'm playing the first one now better than I've ever done. Um, which is even more interesting because the controls are not as great as they are on other systems. But but I wanted something on the small screen that I could play, you know, when you know, the TV's on or, or the, I'm waiting for something or I'm travelling. I'm going to be doing some travelling later on, um, actually two months from now. So I appreciate having it around. Uh, but yeah, yeah, good port, good solid port. And, and it's always just fun to play Devil May Cry again. I've always got time for that. This is the question I always end up need having to ask about ports on Switch. Like, is it is it pricey or is it a decent? Like, is it reasonable? Uh, I think it's I think it's the same that it cost when they put the remasters on um, PC and PS4 and Xbox One. Sixteen sixteen pounds in the UK. Oh, there we go. That's not terrible. Yeah, so I guess that would be yeah. I think it was like twenty bucks. I got it for in the states. Yeah. Um. Yeah, not bad. I'm I'm half tempted to pick it up myself. Because I could, I could definitely go for some more Devil May Cry, and the Switch is the place where I'll go back to that one. Yeah, I mean, that's it. When it comes to... People make fun of the Switch for getting a lot of ports, and they ignore the fact that, despite that, it still gets a lot of good new games, too, and Nintendo's first-party stuff is great. Yeah. Um, but it gets some shit for having a lot of ports, but the fact that it's on the Switch justifies a lot of them for me. It makes me go back and check out older games. That's the thing. I, I, I don't care about ports of old games on, you know, uh, on... A fancy home console or PC because I'm like oh, I could probably just emulate it or play an old version of it anyway but portability is enough usually for me to go oh if you've got a, if this handheld is powerful enough to run this game decently yeah I will pay for it again just to have portability and to be able to go yeah I'm on a plane and I fancy some Devil May Cry why the fuck not and I'm sure if you put the effort in you can get away to play Devil May Cry 5 on a plane but the switch just makes it easy you know it, I've got the, I've got a switch it can play things like Devil May Cry 5. Yeah. Uh, not Devil May Cry 5. Sorry, Devil May Cry. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll buy it and play that on a plane. No bother, mate. No bother. Also, I don't know if I mentioned Time Spinner. I said I was interested in it, but I did actually get it and play it. Um, it's pretty good. If, you, if, if, again, one needs a Metroidvania itch scratch, it's a smaller scale. Um, cute little Castlevania-style game with some uh, 
time mechanics to it, like freezing time and stuff. So, yeah, I would, uh, I'd maybe recommend that. It can be a little frustrating and annoying. It's got some of that, you know, platformer difficulty that Gav talked about and... Sometimes it feels like that to a degree where I'm, or, you know, where I feel the same way. But for the most part, it's it's another charming little Metroidvania game, and I'm I'm fine with more of those. Yeah. Uh, and before we wrap up, we had like one news thing from this week. <laughs> Should we talk about EA and how um how they're trying to rebrand loot boxes? <laughs> <laughs> so I've had a field day with this. Yeah, but before we, we dig into it, because I know you've had a field day with it, can, can I just point out one thing that I love about this story? Mm-hmm. They will still use the term loot boxes when they're trying to big up how their games don't use them anymore. Yep, that was the first thing I pointed out when I fucking saw it. Fallen Order, they'll say, oh, it doesn't have loot boxes, because they're like, no, we know loot boxes have a negative term, so we will tell you that the negative thing is not in there. But when it comes to talking about is it a negative thing to the UK government, no, 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 no. We don't like the term loot boxes there. Surprise mechanic. Surprise! <laughs> oh, the surprise mechanic has joined us on the show. Oh! I fixed a car by smashing it up and replacing the wheels with bricks! They were dead surprised! And then they were dead! Because I hit him with my spanner! <laughs> the dog was well surprised by that! Until I ate it! The cats didn't see that coming! And he didn't see me coming either! Surprise! Surprise mechanics are deceptively dangerous, I think, is what we've learned. Surprise mechanic, right. Is that like, are you Kevin Webster, the surprise mechanic? Or? I can't confirm or deny who's under the... Who is under the helmet? Uh, right, so, let's... So obviously I, I I made DA's corporate mascot this week, the surprise mechanic, and it's the it's my favourite joke. Oh, I love uh, this is my favourite character you've made in a while. Yeah, it's my favourite thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I will ever do. Um, but to the to the matter at hand, Electronic Arts's VP of Legal Kerry Hopkins was um, before a parliamentary committee in I believe Scotland, uh, where. One politician asked her, do you consider loot boxes um, an ethical uh, component of your games? Uh, To which she immediately fired back with, we don't call them loot boxes. And the politician, a lot of people pointed this out. It was basically her trying to bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah. Like, politicians are really good at lies. So you can't really kind of, you can't new speak your way through them. So the moment she said that, he's like, well, whatever you want to call them. Are they ethical? Can I tell you my favourite thing about this? She tries to rebrand them as uh, surprise mechanics and then compares them to uh, Kinder Eggs, which is interesting (laughs) because she's from America where Kinder Eggs are banned for being too dangerous and you shouldn't give them to kids. (laughs) You shouldn't market them at kids. They're dangerous. They're a bad idea. Stop giving them to kids. I also got visions of like, and I tweeted this, I got visions of like, rolling around crying on a floor covered in stale chocolate with kinder wrappers over the wall screaming, they're only cosmetic. (laughs) Uh, They do have kinder eggs in the US um, now, but they're like, if if I recall correctly, it's like a plastic egg with just a toy inside or something like that. It's, Uh, they they altered them somehow because, you know, fittingly they were dangerous for kids, which as you point out is a great layer of irony here. Um, So yeah, she, she says surprise mechanics. And if you listen, you can hear the politician snigger under his breath when she says that. Just you, just hear yeah. this. Little... I think they should make um, Kinder eggs for adults, like actual adult Kinder eggs, 
And like you could, you can open it up and you could have a little mini Till Lindemann from Rammstein inside it. Oh. They should do that with Fabergé eggs. Fabergé <laughs> eggs, you smash them open, there's a, a little like 50p plastic toy in there. I know I damaged my Fabergé egg, but I just had to know. That would simulate how loot boxes feel. Yeah. 70% of the time, depending on the odds. Uh, right, so, yes. So she said that they're quite ethical. Um and they're not called loot boxes, they're surprise mechanics, and they're ethical, people enjoy them. They're no different from Kinder Eggs and, and trading cards. There's a, a litany of reasons why they're different. I've gone over them before. Not least of all, the, the fucking um, fact that a Kinder Egg isn't attached to a $60 game. And the Kinder Egg isn't designed in a way to generate recurrent user spending, to get you buying more and more over and over. Uh, except for that time where they did the t uh, teeny terrapins and stuff like that, um, which these days I, I probably wouldn't be in favour of because that's the other thing. Like you can compare loot boxes to trading cards or blind box figures or whatever, but because of loot boxes, I, I got turned off of those as well. So all all they're doing is making those look worse by association, not making themselves look better. Aside from all the other reasons as to why they're fucking different. So that was her thing. Um, there was an interview with Andrew Wilson, the CEO of Electronic Arts with GameDaily.biz. He talked about loot boxes and echoed some of that shit. Um, interestingly, he never once called them surprise mechanics, but he did, he did still avoid association. He did avoid ownership of it by saying, well, we use what people now commonly refer to as loot boxes. You fucking snake. Uh, you fucking, you serpent in the grass. Yeah. A bunch of, I mean, this is new, This is what Newspeak is. Yeah. This is Orwellian Newspeak. Fucking making up terms. It's like when they, 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 you don't see many of them say microtransactions anymore. It is that recurrent user spending. I punch you in the face, it's not a punch, it's a surprise headache. Exactly. Yeah, I, I had so much fun with, with my fiancé the other day going through, like, how, how how can we get these game executives to rebrand other terrible things that have bad press? Like, what, what, what are you going to call uh, crunch periods now? Um, ma mandatory surprise additional work hours? Mandatory surprise... Um, extra work privileges. Extended work opportunities. Yes, that's oh, it. Oh, yes, yes, that's yes. It. Extended work opportunities. That's probably actually a thing. Yeah. That sounds very like the talk that used to get thrown around in HMV when I was there. Mm. Indeed. You didn't get fired. You got offered additional employment opportunities. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, a, it's a mess of a story. Uh, it's a shit business, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And knowing knowing some of the things I know, and some of the things I'll be talking about on the Jimquisition, if all goes well, this Monday. Can't wait for Monday. It's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. I am extra disgusted. And that's that's something, I because I've been sitting on this, this episode for a while, I've not wanted to show my hand. But the cards in, in, in my hand, when I play them, you will hopefully understand oh. why I am so angry at this industry. What, what I have been hearing from you before we started recording has me very excited and I think people should be excited and go check this video out. Yeah, let me just say, none of what's going on is an accident. Yeah. It, it's not an accident that microtransactions work the way they work. And and it's it's not even that much of a secret. It's just 
you know, I've kicked over the right stones and I've got some shit to say and I am not, I'm not outraged, shouty, red hot anger about this. This is quiet, understated, ice cold fury. I am icily furious at the video game industry. And one of the reasons, aside from the mean potential that everyone's enjoyed, one of the reasons I'm not letting go of Surprise Mechanics is I'm not just annoyed by that or insulted by that. I am downright disgusted by that. I am fucking disgusted at them trying to rebrand loot boxes as Surprise Mechanics. So, yeah. And utterly fuck that. EA does not get to do that. You do not get to rebrand, especially when you were happy to use these terms before. Just like you were all happy to use the term microtransaction before it got too much of a bad name, before the stink couldn't rub off, and then it was recurrent user spending. Fuck you. These terms yeah. come from you, and then you try and spin it as, oh, what's commonly referred to as anthem wasn't a failure it was a surprise minor hit <laughs> they've done that they've got some new speak for that there's a customer satisfaction record that goes from minus 100 to 100 and anything under minus 100 of course is customer dissatisfaction and all they've said is that anthem is well above zero which could be really good, but the phrase is amazing. Yeah. Anthem is a well above zero game. <laughs> my 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 review of the gaming week, right? Yeah. EA wants your Katie's bucks, like surprise mechanics suck, streamers in the toilet, fuck filming as you dump. Anger over Tifa's boobs, Elden Ring will crush your snoops, cyberpunk, clickbait junk, go home, internet you drunk, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> uh. That's, I feel like that's a nice place to leave yeah. us that week. That's just yeah. a nice little, nice little summary. Can I have all my news delivered to me by Gab singing summaries? Anyway, it wasn't a fire. It was a surprise housewarming. <laughs> good stuff. Okay, let's wrap up. That was a, I think that was a very good episode. What we done. I had a good time. Dr. Disrespect wasn't filming in the toilets. It was surprise scat. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 Laura, Laura, where can people see more of your stuff on the internet? Uh, Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Laura K Buzz on Patreon. That's what pays the bills. If you can afford to support me there, please do. This is my first month being back on Patreon, and every little bit helps. You can find everything I do on laurakbuzz.com. Uh, there is links to podcasts, videos, written articles. You name it, it's there. I've got a bunch of shit happening. Um, I'm going to have a bunch of articles on Sci-Fi Fangirls this month uh, because it's Pride Month and Gaming Month over there, and I know how to write about those things. Um, I've got a thing... By the time this goes up, there'll probably be a thing on IGN that I wrote about Roller Champions, so you can go check that out. I've got Uncomfortable Labels, which is my memoir, comes out in, like, less than three weeks, and that's weirdly terrifying. That's on July 18th. Go check that out. Um, I will be at CoxCon in a couple of weeks. I will be at Transpride Brighton doing a book signing. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, that's the other book I'm doing. That comes out at the end of the summer. I've got Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Tonal Whiplash, it's an interview podcast I do, and Laura K. Buzz will be on My Brother, My Brother and Me. Uh, the third episode of that just went up, in which I set myself a very, very, very difficult deadline by which to make that podcast a success. I think that's everything. That's comprehensive. I'm doing a lot of shit at the moment. Ah, oh, to be young again and have energy. I can't imagine 
I can't imagine being. I used to have workloads like that. Yeah, yes, tougher than me. I can't keep it up anymore. My my workload is like that right now because I'm doing the. I I jumped back to freelance. I need to, I need to do all the things Absolutely. to be like, hey, hey, everyone, pl- please do a support on Patreon. I'm making many things. Get that hustle going. And Gavin, yeah, I'm very excited that you are doing another Bloodborne song. But how? How the hell could I listen to it? And where could I follow you as you do this song? And presumably many other songs as well. You can find them on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes, on anywhere that you can find music under Miracle of Sound. I don't know if it'll be out by tomorrow because I'm having some problems with the mix, trying to get it right. So it might probably be Friday, I would say, this comes out. Uh, And you can also support me on Patreon if you want to help keep me in a job and talking shit every Wednesday. So there you go. And being completely redundant by not playing any new games. <laughs> you're not redundant. You're on a surprise vacation. <laughs> that's how they'd spin it. Okay. Um, that's for me. You know most of my stuff. Um, do please, unless the plans change, but we're far enough in the week that they shouldn't, please check out the episode coming this this coming Monday. Uh, I'm still... I mean, I'm going to dine out on... The Rockstar episode not doing all that great because now when people say, why didn't you do more stuff like that? I could say, well, look. Um, but it, it was still a disappointment. It sh- you know, I, I fear what we learned was that Rockstar knows not enough people care for them to ever address these things. Um, and that was disheartening. And I'm hoping that, that this next one I've got coming, which I've put more work into, like more work than that one, um, I've, I've put into this, like heart and soul. I'd have to go back and check the, when, when the correspondence on some of this started, but I, I think I could say this episode is years in the making. Um, so do please check it out and, and share it and that on Monday, um, this, this upcoming Monday. Uh, otherwise, uh, July 13th is my return to wrestling. There was a bit of a break um, just because not many shows happening here and some of these shows out of town are a little ways off so july 13th grand return and everything looks set for something a little bit different from me with a lot of spandex Mm -hmm. more than usual so (laughs) this 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 should be good and i hope so because i was i was telling folks before we hit record like i could use a win i could use me a big win lately so hopefully some of the things in the pipeline will uh i'll i'll be really fun and and good and cool Um, and until then thank you so much for listening thank you always for your support it means a lot to all of us Um, we'll see you next week goodbye Bye. bye